Hello, this is international football commentator Derek Ray, and you're listening to the Ranks FC podcast. Rank Squad and welcome to Ranks FC. It's your favourite football podcast back after Christmas, slightly delayed because of the festivities. But here we are to talk about the impending January transfer window. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host today. And I'm joined by the full compliment I can say. Merry Christmas to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. How you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, had a very good time. Thank you. Um, yes, yeah, now the biggest time of the year, isn't it? The transfer window. This is what everyone really waits for, not Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> the most it. wonderful time of the year, as they say. <laughs> exactly. And of course, our rank god, Mr. Sam Tai. How you doing, mate? Hello, my friend. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Good to be back on the mic with you two. Obviously, after I sadly missed the end of the World Cup, but I managed to get myself fit and firing again for Christmas. Had a, a lovely time with the family. And it was most welcome after last year, my wife got COVID on like December the 22nd and we had to isolate. We couldn't go anywhere. So this one felt a long time coming and it oh, makes it's you like appreciate a house, isn't it? it? It makes you appreciate. Like a care home. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly does make you appreciate uh, your time with your loved ones a little bit more when you when it gets taken off you a couple of years in a row. Yeah, I mean, I was going to open with, with asking how your Christmases were, but DJ, how, how are the boys? Did they have a good time? Yeah, it's quality actually. Yeah, um, one of the few good times of the year, and it's nice to have kids. Um, <laughs> they, no, it's funny. It, it's so they get the problem. They get so hyped up, so excited, and then it's like so the day after Boxing Day, which at least they get a Boxing Day. You know, in many places you wouldn't even get to celebrate that. Um, so at least in England they get two days of it. We have two big parties. Um, but yeah, the twenty seventh is always a bit of a come down. Dylan shouting, "You, you didn't get me big enough toys." Um, <laughs> that's cool. That's really cool. Uh, but he, he's quickly sat down. It was actually really fun. It was it was a really good Christmas. Yeah. It's one of those, isn't it? I think these are these are the moments that you're like, oh, this is cool because the magic returns to things a little bit in terms of... Well, especially when I hear, you know, while I was going for all that, you were just losing money left, right and centre. Um, <laughs> that, that makes me feel even better about my life. So, yeah. I went to, I went to the horses at Kempton Park yesterday. And uh, yeah, for the first time ever at a meet, I, I mean, obviously I've had bad days at the office before, but the first time ever actually in... In the race course nothing went my way i was, could, could couldn't pick a winner couldn't pick a place never mind a winner i should probably say it was it was dreadful but my my yeah. brother got a couple so you know we uh swings and roundabouts oh, sometimes well yeah so people just make sure actually do you know what i'm gonna do here i'm gonna do shout out of the week because actually on the, on the back of something like that i think we actually do need our, our five star reviews and ratings going in so uh, sam you didn't hit you weren't here for the first one. We do a new avenue segment because we do not have enough ratings. Like we have thousands of people listening to this podcast and we're in the low hundreds for people who have actually made it public to the world that they actually like this podcast. So people, please go into your podcast provider, uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Give us a five-star review uh, and just a few words on, on why you love it. And each week I'm doing a shout out of the week. And uh, this week we do have a shout out of the week. I presume his name is Nathan. His name on Apple podcast is Nathan Goran. And he gave <laughs> us a five out of five podcast. He said, this is absolutely 
the best of the best in terms of football analysis and content. All three of them have a great dynamic and offer something different. If you're looking for transfer, insider info, tactical analysis or obscure players, he's talking to you here, Jack, uh, then this is the pod for you. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Uh, appreciate the love there. Uh, and yeah, please do give us a, a five-star rating. Uh, usually we'll do this part at the end, but seeing as Jack clearly needs some money right now, we could probably do some more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I'm going to have to start a new podcast, Ranks at the Races, I think, very shortly to, to mm. add to the repertoire. So that, that's going to be exciting yeah. when we can we can launch our spin-off shows. Um, right, um, it's probably time to actually talk about some football off the back of, of Nathan than saying that we were good at it. And today we're going to be talking about transfers. The main ranking is going to be well, five big transfer stories uh, across January that we're going to be keeping an eye on. Um, But we have a couple that are already done and dusted, Dean. So I feel like that's probably the sensible place to start this week, maybe ahead of, of things we love. Cody Hackpo joins Liverpool. I mean, this is a massive story, isn't it? And how the tables have turned on Man United. I mean... Look, in the days leading into Christmas, um, my last like check-in really on what's what the main situations were, I was still being told, "Yep, United are in touch with with representatives. They're they're confident they'll get Hakpo. They 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 think they could probably get down about around forty million pound." And then you probably go into Christmas quite comfortable on the back of that. Meanwhile, <laughs> sneaky Liverpool are off doing some, uh, having some they little conversations. They do this a lot. They've already sealed the you deal. You find out about Liverpool's transfers once they're done deals. <laughs> This yeah. is the thing. So what's happened is on the back of Luis Diaz having a prolonged layoff, Jurgen Klopp's seen enough. He can't rely on the players he already in his squad. He needed someone else. And they have gone out and they have struck a deal with PSV for actually under 40 million. It's 37 million initially. That's unbelievable business uh, from Liverpool. And this is a player that they absolutely needed. Like they needed something else, some new life in this attack, didn't they? I mean, we said as soon as Sadio Mane was gone that like that was that was a big miss. And we've seen that Darwin hasn't, he's probably not the same sort of player, but he's also uh, not stepped up enough. Luis Diaz has been great since he got to Liverpool, but he's injured. They need something. And they've now got one of the most in-form attackers in the whole of Europe, the whole of the world, possibly. Well, yeah, definitely. Coming into the club, like, that is what they need. A player who is on top of the world right now. And, well, I think it's an amazing Sam, game. it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you and I, I think, were pretty similar in where we were stood on how Hakpo fitted, or, or let's say didn't fit at Manchester United. Maybe he wasn't the player they were actually looking for in this system despite, you know, considering the fact that they have Rashford on the left-hand side, Sancho hasn't quite burst into life in the way that we expect to do, but I think you need to give that one time. Uh, And I think a lot of people were thinking that Hakpo was going to come in at Manchester United and be the number nine. I'm still not convinced he's that player. He was. He was. That was the plan. Yeah, I'm I'm actually really relieved about this. I'm not going to lie. I mean... Maybe it's just a hangover from the from the Bleach Report days when you know you've got to make a call on something and say, look, this player is very good, but actually this big new shiny signing, Manchester United fans, it's not really something you should have done. That when I have to say that people get well angry, and you know when the when the, I get, yeah people get really angry about it, obviously, and I get very nervous. So if uh, Liverpool go ahead and just remove that possibility from my plate, that's fantastic. I'm much more comfortable with Liverpool signing him. Um, I do find it amusing that they have like. A few problems here and there, mostly in midfield, and they've just slapped another attacker on the top and gone, that'll fix it. Um, it's a bit like that meme where that guy takes masking tape and fixes the uh, the water leaking out of the, the gigantic glass. And just, it's it's a, it's a bit of an odd solution, but 
we've been talking all season about how the press doesn't work and how the press is broken. And so if Klopp has decided that not only does he need bodies in the forward line because they're all injured, but Cody Hakpo can step in and, and try to knit things back together up front and start to protect the other lines in the team. Okay, fair enough. And, yep. you know, Hakpo can play left wing and he will do so while Luis Diaz and Jota are out. And then he can also play as the 10. So he can do so while other players are out. And this would have been a problem for United either way because... The last time United bought a 10, um, it was Donny van der Beek. And they didn't have a role for him because Bruno plays every single game and he's wasting away. And, you know, Sancho would have been ha- had to be given up on, basically. Or Rashford would have to move out of his primary position where he's been playing really, really well. Whatever you did at United with Hakpo, someone was going to get upset or he was going to waste away. Liverpool, it's not the case. There's a there's a route to playing time. There's a couple of positions that aren't aren't nailed down. I can certainly understand why they've decided to jump in. I am surprised it's this cheap off the back of the World Cup. This doesn't seem any more expensive than it was in the summer. No, it's not really. I mean, you've mentioned midfielder. I mean, I think this is possibly the most exciting thing about it for Liverpool because they, the fact that this deal is done and sealed so quickly and early, they are still going to go for a midfielder. There is still scope for, for that to happen. And I think that it gives them a clear run now and a uh, plenty of time to, to make that happen. Uh, they had to move for Hakpo quickly because they knew there was actual competition for him and they had to uh, go about that cleverly. But, you know, Sofian Amrabat has obviously been a big link to Liverpool um, over the past few weeks. What I'm thinking now, though, is the fact that Liverpool are so secretive and so sneaky, they love a quick deal that no one's expecting. I'm thinking, oh, who are they actually trying to sign Frankie here? Frankie Dion. That would really they... wind United up. <laughs> but I'm thinking, like, I don't think it's Enzo Fernandes, but, like, can you imagine? Can you imagine if out of nowhere they're like, Liverpool have an agreement in place for Enzo Fernandes, talks are uh, a long way down the line, uh, deal is closed. Like, I'm not ruling anything like that out right now. We know that they like Bellingham and they, they want to go for him. That won't happen in Jan, might happen in the summer. The fact is they're probably third in the pecking order up behind Madrid and Man City to actually get that done and be in a position to actually tempt him into happening. It's not impossible, but it's tough. So you have to broaden out a bit. I don't know, like Amrabat is the one that is constantly being talked about. And I'm just like looking at the overall picture and I'm like, but that doesn't really happen with Liverpool. It's so rare that you have big hype around a signing for a month and then Liverpool do it. It's yeah. more like, bang, here you go. Decoys. Decoys everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. absolutely. Um, right, before we move on to this main segment, probably worth slightly talking about another deal that has been struck in that Mateus Cunha is on his way to Wolverhampton Wanderers. He's already there. Well, yes, he is. Um, but he, he has moved, or at least he, he's going to be there. Well, he's going to be playing from mm. January the 1st. It's uh, an interesting one, this. Sam, your thoughts on Cunha? Because I, I'm, not again, not convinced that this is the answer to all Wolves' problems. Well, I, I suspect there may have been someone dealing on dealing with this one on their behalf, as usual. Uh, and, you know, you live by the Georges Mendes sword, you, you die by it. Um, that's not a criticism of Mateus Cunha. It's just like you, you, you get what you're given in, in some circumstances. And also, the January market for a striker is possibly the toughest one out there. Um, and if you go into January needing a striker, you're in trouble. Now, I think Wolves were 20th when we kicked back off again. So, yeah, fair to say that from a table perspective, a league table perspective, they were in trouble. And from a goals perspective, they were in trouble. So anyone, literally anybody, is 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 surely a positive. 
Now, he hasn't played that much over the last three, four years. Um, he did get criticised by a previous coach for not applying himself. But he's a very talented footballer. Yeah. And anything goes in this area, man. Like, yes, it's it's probably going to end up costing quite a bit. I think it's going to go loan up to 40 million euros. I don't know if it's an obligation or not. But just anybody, if you're a Wolves fan, anybody, because Raul Jimenez is just not there, unfortunately. It's just not happening. And Gonzalo Gedge is not a central striker. So they've just constantly been lacking a focal point. And this this really hurts the way you set your team up. I do think Cunha is a player that Lopetegui will, will really like. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm just not convinced that he is the goal scorer that maybe that some fans think he is. You know, his goal record isn't great. It hasn't been pretty much everywhere he's been. And, and I think mm. it leaves them, you know, if, that, if that's what you're doing, and, and I agree with you, obviously this is really tricky and you need to just sort of fill the squad out with some bodies in attacking positions. But I'm not convinced that he is the goal scorer that Wolves fans potentially right now think that he is. Now, I could be completely wrong and he might absolutely thrive. But from past records and, yeah. and the way he plays, that's not what I think they're getting from this deal. Yeah, I, I think I also see him as a bit more of a striker that likes to drift away from the dangerous areas and get on the ball um, rather than necessarily like run the centre-backs, uh, run the line, etc. You know, occupy people. Like he's not, he's not a traditional powerhouse number nine, a figure. Um, but you can give him the ball in almost any circumstance and he'll hang on to yeah. it and recycle play and move it around. So, yeah, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. It really did. It's the first one we've seen, isn't it? It's the first deal, basically, that was struck and it was it was a big one. Um, mm. It did take me back a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Don't forget, they're trying to sign six players, Wolves, so in, in this in this window. Um, <laughs> so they've got to get one out of the way because that's they, they need one a week if that's going to happen. So that's, that's quite a lot of business. Yeah, well, I mean, one a week from here seems reasonable. If you have George Spencer yeah. in your corner, everything is possible. So uh, I'm not going to rule any of those things out. Right, after the break, we are going to be talking our main ranking of the five things you need to be keeping an eye on in the January window. Stick with us. Welcome back to Ranks FC. It's time for our main ranking. And so all I'm going to do is hand the floor over to our transfer guru, Mr. Dean Jones. Yeah, this was going to be five big January transfer moves, movers, whichever way you want to look at it. But um, it, it's really turned into five big January transfer storylines that that are going to be there and we need to we need to track. So um, a couple of them are very specific, a couple of them are a little more broad where we'll discuss and I'll, I'll put to you two uh, what the options could be to fix some problems. But um, look, number one, we've got to start with Arsenal because we know Mikhailo Mudrik is the first main target for January and this has a big chance of happening. Look, this is a 21-year-old uh, wide forward, plays for Shakhtar Donetsk um, there is a price tag on him uh, of loosely a hundred million pounds. Now, obviously, that's hopeful. That, that's that's probably unrealistic. Um, and I was told all along, like Arsenal's opener will be at half that amount. Like they'll they'll feel things out, and then they'll start to get an idea of what his actual valuation is. So the opening bid's gone in at around fifty-five million pounds. Now. I think we have to understand what how Shakhtar would be looking at this and how they would assess the value of this player and what Arsenal are realistically going to have to play here because you look at the market and, and two recent deals for players that are playing similar roles in, in other big teams and you see Darwin Nunez move for £85 million to Liverpool and you see Anthony move to Man United for £85 million 
and they're they're filling similar roles in those teams, which are who are supposed to be competing for for the Premier League title and aren't. And Arsenal actually are pushing to win a, a Premier League title. So from Shakhtar's point of view here, you're going to be like, well, that's the marker. 85 million is the marker for a player of this significance to your team. Now, I don't know if Arsenal will go as high as that. I don't think they ever had any intention to get into the high 80s here. Um, I think they probably had an expectation to get into the 70s for sure. And also, if you look back at their track history and knowing that they spent £72 million on Nicolas Pepe not too many years ago, you're thinking, well, you're 100% paying more than that. Like you are not, you are not getting this player for any less. But I think this is the big, this is the big conundrum for for Arsenal. Are they going to get this player who they've been tracking for a long time at any cost, or are they going to limit it? I think they'll limit it personally. I think there has to come a point where they'll walk away. Um, but there is a confidence within the club that they'll get the player. I mean, you you just look at. In himself, he's he's clearly desperate to get there. He's posting on social media himself, watching the games. Bless him, he's desperate, isn't he? <laughs> he's so desperate to get there. I mean, they need to, they really do need to figure this out. I guess my the thing that is going to be confusing here and might might complicate things. Arsenal obviously need a deeper squad. They obviously need uh, better players to come in if they have an injury. And Emil Smith Rowe's obviously missed a lot of the season. So in those wide positions. They don't have like top, top backups for Martinelli or Saka. But Mudrick isn't going to come in and want him to be a backup, is he? So how do you think that this would affect this team? Because one of Arsenal's big strengths is you can actually predict their starting eleven, And they are so predictable, so consistent. And that is one of their major strengths right now. Whereas at Man City, you're at a different... You're a different stage of your development. Arsenal are in the very early stages where they basically have 13, 14 players and that's your team that's going to win you the title. And Saka and Martinelli are not going to be wanting to be rotated and things like that. What do you reckon, Sam? How do you see Mudrick coming into this if it happens? Yeah, I mean, it does bother me a little bit that you would spend, you know, 70-odd, maybe 70-odd million pounds on a player like this who is very talented, but, like, from a starting point is not as going to be as impactful as Martinelli or Saka. Um, now, obviously, he's 21 and he's coming from the Ukrainian league. He's got plenty of improvement to do. That bothers me a little bit, but it, it wouldn't bother me if it was Man City. And maybe I need to change the way I look at this. Maybe maybe I need to maybe I need to update my, my thinking because if Man City went and bought Mudrik in the same way that they essentially went and bought Grealish and then sort of stuck him in the rotation for 100 billion, and I was like, yeah, good, good signing. I shouldn't yeah. criticise Arsenal for doing a similar thing when Arsenal were currently sat at the top of the Premier League table. Mm. So Arsenal of years gone by, this doesn't make any sense. Arsenal pushing to where they want to be right now and where they are right now, maybe I need to adjust my focus a little bit and look at this in a different way and, and applaud the ambition. And if Mudrick wants to join, and they're going to be honest with him, like they're going to be like, yeah, so Martinelli and Saka, they're, they're pretty damn good. Like You're going to have to fight it out with these guys. He, he knows this. So yeah. credit to Arsenal. I think this is... a uh, a huge statement of like where they are right now and where they obviously hope to be in the next sort of like six to 18 months. It's, it's, it's really impressive. I must admit though, I never saw a deal for Mudrick hitting 70 odd million. Like that mm. has again, rocked me a bit. It's interesting because uh, I was reading Chris Hamill's tweets on this uh, of, of football daily. And he described this signing as like bringing dynamite to a chess match. And I thought it was a really nice, a, a nice analogy in that Arsenal play relatively intricate football. They have obviously gone down the, 
the, the kind of pet model, if you will, uh, of how they want to play. Um, Mudrik has been at his best. And obviously, we've only really seen him in, in the dynamic of, of Shakhtar being a kind of explosive player in transition, which is not majorly been what Arsenal have done this season. It's not very instructive, is it? No, it, we, we don't quite know exactly what he's capable of within a different system. So obviously, we, I don't think anyone's in any doubt here that the boy is unbelievably talented. We, we think that Mimitrick is an excellent footballer. But I do wonder how much opportunity he's going to get within this Arsenal side who look to dominate to actually utilise the skill set that has basically catapulted him into the limelight. That's not to say it would be, uh, you know, not a success. And it's not to say that he can't mm. do those things. But I think it's interesting. I think the comparison, obviously, to Grealish is, is a fair one in that, you know, Grealish, I think, has not struggled per se, but has definitely found it a challenge to adapt to to where he gets the ball and, and how he makes things happen in this Manchester City system. And I think that Jack Grealish is, is less raw than Mudrick right now. Now that might mean that Mudrick's more moldable and, and can therefore be, you know, made to adapt into to a system. But I do think that there's an element of warning sign there and you can be like, mm, it doesn't always work off the bat. And for 70 million, you're looking for a signing to come in and make an immediate impact. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of high, like compilation clips and highlights out there of Mudrik dancing into the box in Ukrainian Premier League games and and winning penalties and slamming it across goal. For, like, there's no doubt that in tight spaces, like he's a very capable player, just as Greedish is. But you're almost neutering a footballer here, is what we're kind of saying. And that they're, if their big strength is lung busting ball carries over distance, yeah, the opportunity to do that obviously diminishes once you join a bigger team that has more possession. That said, of course, Arsenal will play their fair share of games against very, very good teams. You know, there's there's seven others or so in the Premier League. And then if they make the Champions League next year, which feels like it's going to happen, that's where these players start to get a little bit more space. So it's not it's not curtains for that. You just it just diminishes and you just have to make sure the other side of the game is exactly what you want. Um because we've seen Martinelli flash up, haven't we, over over the last mm. couple of years. Every now and then he, he puts together a 40 yard ball carry, that goal against Chelsea and stuff like that. He can still come out to play. Just not quite as regularly. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say that was when Arsenal were weaker, though, and therefore playing more in, in, yeah, in true. that kind of sense. True. So, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. But I think there's plenty to be excited about if you're an Arsenal fan about Mikhail Mudrik. And, you know, you kind of alluded to it. But one of the things is how excited he seems to be to join Arsenal. He just seems to, that's where yeah. he wants to go, by all accounts. And, and I think that's probably a massive positive. Yeah. Yeah. The price here, Dean, is it anything to do with the fact that Shatter obviously just you know, what's happened in Ukraine over the last year or so, like clearly they're not making any money. They're just like, yeah, of course. Yeah, they're just, yeah, it's, it's an just... amazing opportunity for them, isn't it? That they've got to try and just optimise. So um, of course they're going to set the bar high. Of course they're not going to accept 50 million, 55 million opening bid. Um, I think it, it weighed out at around 60 once you've had add-ons and that one. But um, yeah, that this, this is of course all part of it. And and as I say, look, looking at the market, I'd, I'd really forgotten about Grealish too at 100 million. You know, they'll, they'll see all these figures and be like, okay, well, we need to get up towards these numbers for us to be satisfied. So we'll see. I, th- I think that is the most exciting transfer that could possibly happen though, uh, as we're looking at it right now. Obviously, situations change, but as we head into the window, that looks like one that would really be a significant one, especially for Arsenal's pursuit of the title. Now, Looking at number two, this is one that oh, I just love to see this. And, and the fact it's got a chance, I think, is just great. And, it, and it's Newcastle going after James Madison. Um, oh, there's so much I like about this from, from both sides of it. And I think that 
both sides have a big decision to make here. I mean, firstly, Newcastle, do they put £60 million on the table for him to Leicester? Because that's what it's going to take to make them flinch and that's what's going to make them to even consider this. And then secondly, does James Madison actually walk out on Brendan Rodgers and Leicester halfway through a season? Because he's been quite loyal. He has a close relationship with him. Um, They've been through quite a tough season so far. I mean, it probably doesn't help Leicester that James Madison's just watched Leicester get smashed by Newcastle Mm. and probably watching thinking, yeah, quite fancy that. Um, Newcastle are having an unbelievable season. They're second in the Premier League and there is no sign of this fading. Like Eddie Howe is is just coming up with new solutions to any problems that are posed. He's, He's managed to keep, you know, to get straight back off to a winning start in that fashion. Unbelievable. Almiron, Madison will even be looking at people like Almiron and thinking, wow, like look at the form that this guy is finding under Eddie Howe. What could I do in this team? And he knows that there's a spot in that Newcastle team on the right side that would suit him to a tee. Like that's where Newcastle see him playing. They want him delivering balls. They want him uh, coming inside. They want him on, you know, set pieces. There is so much to James Madison's game that Newcastle don't have and they want. And so this is what's exciting about it. You know, there, there are other people uh, that they're looking at. Uh, Musa Diaby is one of them that they might revisit here um, just because they've had him on their radar for a long time. He wasn't gettable in the last transfer window. Um, his situation, they wonder if it's changed basically over the course of the season. Things haven't gone brilliantly so far. So they might revisit that just to see if there's any better value there. But ultimately, James Madison is it. At least sixty million we're looking at, I think, and yeah, I mean, the, I just think this would be amazing. I, I really do. What do you reckon? Yeah, it's, it's one of those interesting ones where I've always thought that Madison plays best as a ten, and obviously Newcastle don't play really with with an out yeah, and out it would ten. Be right-sided so forward, if they're looking yeah. at him on the right side, it's going to be interesting to see how they develop it. Um, but but as you say, and I think this is probably the key point. How's found solutions to, to every problem this season? And I, I think it's really interesting for, for for Madison or from his perspective at the very least to be walking into a side and you're going, okay, you know, where, where is this going? Is this going to be what I wanted to, to achieve outright? Because I think that Madison probably sees himself as an out and out 10 more than anything else. Um, now he's flexible and he's relatively adaptable in terms of way he plays, but you're looking at it and going, Okay, so so what happens here? You know, where where do you fit in? And I think it's going to be intriguing to see where Newcastle fit him into said rotation. But I mean, yeah, you bring in a player like this. Uh, I saw someone tweet the other day. I can't remember who it is for the life of me, so I apologise in advance. But they said, you know, Newcastle the second in the table, and they're only at their Bellamy Adebayor stage, um, which really did make yeah. me laugh. You know, this is this is the first iteration of new Newcastle, and they're already playing such beautiful football. They're already, you know, all right on the on the on the up and in the mix for Champions League. There's there's no doubt that this side is is on an upward trajectory, and I think. A lot of players are going to look at that and go, yeah, I'd like to be part of that. And, you know, as you start these projects, and we talked about this at the time, as you start these projects, there's that kind of question mark of how do you entice better players to come in? You, you know, you have to kind of make by those stepping stone transfer players where you try and sort of shift yourself up the table in the way that without necessarily being like, oh, these are the players that we want to finally end up with in the squad. But I think now at this point, Newcastle are are so clearly on that trajectory that I think there's going to be a lot of players willing to join them. And Madison feels like the kind of signing that they can go, ooh, this is a little bit marquee. 
Mm. Isn't it interesting yeah. as well, Dean? I don't know what's coming in the rest of your list, but so far you've covered Arsenal and Newcastle, who both occupy positions in the top four of the Premier League table. The top two and, and of the Premier not, League. The top two, the top two and, and have not done so, obviously, for, for a fair few years. And that top four fight is already is already difficult between six clubs. And now it's it's seven. And you've got like, you know, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, all sat on the outside looking in. Tottenham uh, sort of hanging in there as well. And they're all looking at, them, looking at their squads. They're looking at the table. They're looking at the opposition. And they're all thinking oh, we might need to do something in January here because if they're already above us, already looking better, and they're doing stuff in January, it creates a hell of a, a, a cocktail of fear for those teams mm. that sort of consider Champions League to be their, their right. Mm. And it could lead to a hell of a January as everybody just panics one after the other. Yeah, I, th- I think it's also about just making sure you're strong enough, though, isn't it? I mean, both of those teams, I mean, look, Man City could go into a second later today, but, you know, as it stands, like for both of those teams to occupy one and two at Christmas of the Premier League is an outstanding achievement in itself, but it also gives you a taste of, of what could be to come in the second half of the season. And certainly both will now be expecting that they can qualify for the Champions League, but they've got to make sure it happens. I think Madison too is, you know, I don't know if marquee signing is quite there, but he's a very good in-betweener. He's a very good, like... Um, you know, Bruno's been amazing for Newcastle. But I think they're probably, when he came in, you weren't entirely sure what you're getting. Most fans wouldn't have even seen him play before. But with Madison, you've already got a body of work of in the Premier League. Can do. A body of work in the Premier League, yeah. And, but you've also got the potential of knowing what he might be capable of. Yeah, like Newcastle have a different role outlined for him. If that role doesn't work out, like I imagine this team is going to change over over time. I imagine Eddie Howe's got different plans for this team tactically coming up, especially if he is looking to sign in someone like James Madison. So things can change, but yeah, that is exciting. And um, I'll tell you, at number three, it's a team that really need to find some solutions in attack to make sure that they can try to chase those two down. And, and that is Man United, who currently, as we record, sit fifth in the Premier League. Um, only four points off, off of Newcastle and they have a game in hand on them. So it's not it's not by any means yes. like um, a, a stretch to, ca- to be able to catch them. But you look at where they are off Arsenal right now, they're 11 points off Arsenal. And, that, and that's pretty significant and not a situation they would have expected or wanted to have, have been in at this point in the season and obviously United we talked at the start Hakpo was going to be the guy they went for I think that'll probably be played down now it'll be watered down they'll say well you know um we were interested in him yeah but we'll, we'll move on from it I, th- I, I think that's it already was, started Dino I've seen a bit of that I have I don't like it too much and you know, I've even seen um reports you know Man United really prefer a loan signing of a striker in this window and I hang on you'd outline 40 million pounds for this player like you you were expecting to go and spend that and that was a fine amount of money to spend so let's take it for what it is and also assess the fact that like what sort of loan striker are you going to get in? Odia Nagalo's done. Igalo again. That- <laughs> Do it again. Bring him back. Bring him Igalo's home. not coming back. Uh, Henrik Larsson worked out quite well once, but I think he's probably bringing Jordan Larsson. Um, <laughs> um, so, like the loan market is just scarce. I mean, the Memphis Depay is the one that keeps being thrown up, and like, is that really the answer? Like a return of Memphis Depay to Man United? Like, might be, it might be an answer, but I don't know if it's the answer. That, that it, it might be fine. Like that Memphis could be fine. 
But I'm thinking, okay, well, who else will actually come in it? Because I'm told, like, I've seen a few people saying, oh, United aren't necessarily in for a centre forward. They're looking; they could get someone who's more versatile. I'm told they do want the centre forward. They could do um, with the centre forward, as and far so as I'm, I'm concerned. That's the thing hey. that they need. They need a centre forward. <laughs> they need a goal scorer, right? So I'm thinking, well, Moussa Dembele isn't the worst option here. Like his contract's running down; he's available. Like. Wouldn't, wouldn't be, be a, a January window on this podcast for that Moussa Dembele to United no, being be. talked and, about. And, and, you know, <laughs> this guy is actually going to move in the next six months. So um, I think that that's one to have in, in mind. Um, Gonzalo Ramos has been spoken about uh, quite a lot in the past couple of months. Um, obviously, mainly because of the hat-trick when he replaced Ronaldo in, in the Portugal team and United are looking for someone to replace Ronaldo in the Man United team. Um, <laughs> I... I don't see Gonzalo Ramos being the person that ends up. I don't think they'll uh, let him go at this point. In, uh, not in January. I, I don't no. see why Benfica would do that. No, um, I, I doubt it too. And you know, setting up a future deal doesn't suit them right now. Like that's not that's not the situation we're in. We need someone to come in for Man United, and they have to be part of this unit. So who else, really? I mean, you're scouring. Europe for like recognizable names. Jonathan Davies obviously been linked quite heavily in the past, and like, there's definite interest there. Oh, Fonseca uh, the other day was like, "Oh yeah, he's definitely going to leave soon. He's wicked." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, interesting way to talk and about your own thing. player." That, that, I, I'm just looking at the moment, and and well, I'll be sounding it, and, and you know, my next in the next week or so, I'll be ringing around people that are closer to these players that I, I see as being potentially available for these spots, just to see if there's any been any contact or they're expecting any contact from Man United because, you know, Ten Hag is openly talking about now they need they need a forward. Um, so we all know the problem they've got and the problem and the reason they'll be playing up the fact they'd rather have a loan sign is because everyone's going to hike up the price now. They know United do need a number nine and they're not going to let them have someone cheap. So this is actually yet again a big dilemma for Man United. They've got Martial at the moment. Can he stay fit? Can he score goals? We'll, we'll wait and see on that. But I think you, you can't really rely on it. Um, you don't want to be playing Rashford, I don't think, as the centre Not when forward. he's playing so well I wide. Think they, mm. I think it's going too well for him wide, exactly that. Um, so, yeah, a bit of a conundrum, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Valt Veghorst? Honestly, I was literally going through, <laughs> I was like, well, who else is Dutch? <laughs> <laughs> that they could go to here um, because yeah. that, this is the, this is, tends to be where they lean and they can understand why. Only 35. Yeah, who's at PSV, Ajax, uh, in the Dutch national team that, that they could actually go and get here? Well, I mean, one of yeah, the ones that a... I thought might be interesting was Brian Brobby. Um, mm. He's been linked before. Which I don't think would be a terrible idea um, in, in any mm. sense of the admiration, but it's one of those kind of weird ones where it does it immediately answer your problems? I, I'm not sure. But I think he's a good player, and I think he no. probably fits the mould. I wonder if, I wonder if we end up here in a situation where United just look for someone with experience. And if you think back to when they were after Arnautovic, they're not in too dissimilar a situation right now to when they were seriously looking at that. Yeah. And if think you've lost Ronaldo, so you've lost that experience. But United don't have that many players actually in their thirties. I'm just trying to think off the top of my Ashley head. Ashley Barnes. let's just find a forward in their 30s and I think that's where we should probably be heading because they don't really have much experience like in that sense in this team Um, obviously they need a goal scorer that's that's the thing they're looking at most importantly but 
it's a really difficult task they've got in front of them here now that Hakpo's not on the market. Yeah, agreed. Mm. And and if they've only allotted forty million, and obviously that that value can change, but if that was the plan, yeah, there's probably just not really a player out there that they can buy on a permanent deal for forty million or less that can actually fulfil the brief of not just coming in and helping, but being a Manchester United caliber striker. Like, yeah, it's a hell of a bar to hit, and forty million is not that much money for a forward. Um, I do like the idea of a, of like a Memphis a Memphis loan or a Memphis short-term thing. Obviously, he's not really got much of a role at Barcelona. Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense. The, the but yeah, other than that, it's... it's yeah, <laughs> yeah, to pay back. Mm. But it's quite, it's, quite, it's quite difficult, obviously. As I said, with Wolves, it's really hard to... If you're Wolves and it's hard, it's, you know, it's, it's really hard for Man United here not to get fleeced. Um, yeah. Because everybody will just be, will be thinking the same thing. My thoughts have jumped out to the, the humongous like, financial loss that Juventus have just posted. And I'm just thinking, could they just get Vlavic or something? Like, would Vlavic yeah. move to Man United? I don't know. I have no idea. But he. I checked be. on this because because they've got all these problems at, at Juve. I was like, is Vlavic going to become available? And the guy that that does help me out with Juve info, he was like, they just won't sell in Jan. He's like, at the end of the season, I think a lot of things become possible. He said, but in Jan, like he's like even like a Rabio, like. I don't, if you're in this kind of problem, they've got so much you, I at think stake you have here. to just see out the season, don't you? And then you'd be like, reset. I think they have to see out the season and, and hope that, as typically would happen, that things do come back around and they're okay by the end of the season. Yeah, and to to let Vlavic go now would be madness. But I would love to see him uh, in the Prem, obviously. Right, I'm going down to the other end of the table for number four. Um, Sam, brace yourself. I'm going to be coming to you for some insight here on how this can be salvaged because Southampton look an absolute state and they are, I reckon, now looking like the most desperate team in the Premier League coming into this window um, because they should not and would not have expected to be sitting bottom of the Premier League table Um as we go into the New Year's Eve fixtures, um, sadly for them, they are playing the best team in the league as well. They've got to come to Craven Cottage on, on New Year's Eve. So, uh, commiserations to any Southampton fans that it's going to get worse. I can't believe but, you um, just jinxed us. I mean, I see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't believe in jinxes. Um, but honestly, like on a serious note, like this team is, is an absolute mess. And, all I know is that Southampton want a wide forward and a centre forward to come in in the January transfer window, right? And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't cover Southampton extensively. Like, I, I hear a few bits and pieces, but I don't, this isn't a team I typically cover. But I've, I'm looking out for it. I'm thinking, right, who's on the radar here? And I tell you what, I'm not very convinced. Like, Ryan Fraser, Ryan Kent, they, they've both been linked so far. And I'm like, okay. Um, Any non-Ryans? Uh, Jesper Carlson was was linked. I don't know. Yeah, he's good. That is. He's good. Um, yeah, so he's been linked. But I'm like, okay, but this is this here's my issue with, with Southampton at the moment. Like, not only are they so, so blunt in attack, they don't have any personality in this team. There's nothing about them. I want someone to come in here who's got something that, that can change the feeling around Southampton, like not just on the pitch, but to give the fans some hope too, because like one feeds into the other and, and Southampton fans seem really down in the dumps at the moment about where things are heading. I mean, Sam, like how bad is this? And you know, who, who realistically do you think is a Ryan Fraser or a Ryan Kent going to significantly change things? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the situation hasn't really changed from back in the summer where they they launched that late bid for Cody Hakpo and they they weren't 
seemingly that far off getting that deal done. In the end, I think Hakpo basically just went, no, I'm going to wait. And yeah. fair play to him because he's ended up at Liverpool five months yeah, later. Yeah, no, he, yeah, well done, Cody. Southampton were Liverpool's leader club for a while, so we can ch- we can put this one down <laughs> on the list. That's that one of them. Yeah. That's true. It's a rite of passage, Cody. You have to do it. I'm afraid. Um, so yeah, the situation hasn't really changed there, um, and they do need goals, and they scored what like twelve in. 16 games or something it's not actually yeah. the lowest tally in the league because Wolves have only got yeah they got 14 <laughs> yeah, there are a few teams that have scored less actually yeah, yeah but only a, only a handful and they're obviously down there and you know one of those teams which is Wolves have just gone and signed their striker you know they've, they've made their move uh, and Southampton do need to do that goals it's just goals it's all about just signing players who can score goals because like un- under Hazen Hussle obviously the press was really good the defence was okay they were frequently involved in quite close games that they came the wrong side came out the wrong side of because they just no no cutting edge. The Brighton game at the weekend was it the weekend? Yeah. I've lost track of the it dates. Was, it was whatever a couple it was, of Boxing days ago, day. Monday or whatever. Yeah, Boxing Day um, was was a horrendous horrendous performance. It was so bad, and it's got it's got all the fans as you say down in the dumps. You know they're asking like Nathan Jones, the new manager, spent four or five weeks with this team. He had the opportunity to, to to turn out what he believes is his system at Southampton after all that time. And this is what he came up with. And not only that, it was that, you know, three or four of the best players at Southampton were not in the team. I think like, Romeo Lavia was injured, sure. And they're dangerously dependent on Lavia, who is 18 years of age. But like sticking Bella Kotchap and Joe Aribo on the bench felt really, really strange. And like, there is an argument that like when Livermento is back and when Lavia's back, this team gets a lot better, but there's still no striker returning from fitness who can score goals. There's nothing. The one that I think that they should go for is Victor Jokerez or Jokerez. How do you say his name, Jack? Um, Jokerez. Coventry. Yeah. Yeah. Jokerez. Yeah. I think I think Victor Jokerez is Jokerez is is someone that could that could really really help. But if that was already going to be difficult. Well, Callum O'Hare has just been stretched off and uh, he's like one of their main attacking players at Coventry. So getting their main striker out, if, you know, the the, the attacking 10 mm. has received a bit of an, a bad injury, that just becomes incredibly difficult. They're also in that horrible position, Dino, where they are bottom. And mm. when you're bottom, it's really hard to buy players. Yeah, but they are Southampton. Like I do keep thinking, like, but this is Southampton. Like they are, they do have a pull about them because they have good pedigree in the Premier League and they mm. do typically you do tend to if you do well end up at a big club and like they're it's a good place to to go but it is just like you say what what level of player are they going to attract here that that can turn this around look it's so tight there are literally seven teams I really that are looking at a relegation scrap here you're looking at Bournemouth in 14th Leeds 15th West Ham 16th they'll probably get out of it Everton 17th Wolves 18th Forest 19th Southampton 20th like Southampton should fancy their chances of getting out of that. There's only four points between them and Bournemouth as it stands right now. Um, so like this is, this is a situation that can turn around literally in two or three weeks. But there's just nothing to show. Like Che Adams isn't finding any sort of form. I think he's got four goals this season. Che almost always plays well. He just can't score. He just can't score. He just can't do it. Yeah, uh, He's and, a good and player. Goal and he does scoring number useful nine. things. Maybe he can sign for Manchester United. I'm- I love him. I think he's great, but he doesn't score enough goals. <laughs> he really enough doesn't. Goals. So, 
Yeah, that that's that's what I'm looking out for. And I th- I think it's massive. I think the re- reason I've included them is just I think this is so significant. Whoever comes into those two positions is going to define how hundred percent much yeah. chance they've got. All those teams you just mess. read out, really, you know, like Leeds, Everton, Wolves, and Forest. You feel like even if they didn't make any signings, they'd have a chance of muddling their way out of this. Forest because the squad melds together. Everton because they've got a good strong midfield and, and Calvert Lewin and, and Morpai are there leads because the system can can beat big teams and, and pick up points but there's, there's one team down there that probably can't survive unless they do something it's Southampton yeah it's mad it was so so big if Southampton were relegated like that is a disaster I'd lose my job I, spe- I think oh, especially no. after the fact that they you know invested so heavily in youth the summer in the summer right you know it felt like a mm. project and then if but none of those players are gonna be like oh sam we'll just kick around in the championship are they you, you can't imagine no. Romeo Lavia being like all right see you later I'm, I'm just gonna i'm gonna just rock around in well the- it felt like they had a good project going on but obviously people behind the scenes who were involved in all that, all that is leaving are leaving now there's like two or three significant figures in big roles that, that have been moved on it feels like the ownership might have a different route they're going down here um, so it will be interesting because that is a bold decision. Indeed, Ro- well, the word is they want experience in January, and that's obviously to complement the fact that all their best players are 18 years of age. <laughs> kind of, you know, they do need a you do need a balance because young players yeah. are woefully inconsistent, and when most of their good players are injured anyway, yeah, they're going to need something. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Right, yeah. what's the number one, DJ? Cool. Well, it's actually number five, but yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's actually it's it's Chelsea. Um, because there's going to be stuff going on here where they're, where they're trying to just kind of mold this squad still. Like they're, they're still not really got an actual squad that makes much sense. And I think that that's a, a real dilemma and, so, and something that they're having to work on step by step under Todd Bowley since he came in. And he, he is trying hard and he is setting his sights high. But um, they're a bit all over the place. So obviously, Gvardiol was, was supposed to be a prime target for this window. Um they never really expected it would be possible now, but the, the plan was try to get that tied up now for the end of the season. Kind of basically what they spent the year before doing with Jules Conde. That went well. Yeah, that went well. And this isn't going much better, let's put it that way. I mean, you're talking now of a huge uh, release clause going into Gvardiol's contract. Um, Chelsea have, like, I understand, manoeuvred to try and make this possible to see if there's a new option here that they could take up on Gvardiol, uh, but the door seems to be closed at the moment on that deal. And as a result, we're, we're hearing a lot about them going for Benoit Badiashile of Monaco. Um, and look, it, some people seem to think this has come out of left field. It hasn't. Like, he was on the long list for Chelsea in the summer. Um, they were looking at a, a lot of different options, but most of them young. And and Badia Shile was one of those that they had their eye on. I know Man United scouted him too. And he is now coming more prominently onto into the scene, basically, as, as a target that, that is looking likely. I haven't seen much of the guy. I, I can't tell you much in, in terms of a, a scouting report here. But I can tell you, like, this is this is a, a serious one that, that Chelsea are looking into. So um, in terms of a, a cent, centre-back, that is what we will be looking for. And on the back of that, they, they still need a forward. Um, Kai Havertz obviously did a, a decent job in, in their last match last night. Um, but there's still some confusion about like what is Havertz 
best role going to be in this team? Is he actually going to be a nine for the rest of the season? Is it going to be Aubameyang that ends up playing the nine? Do Chelsea just need to sign somebody else? What's happening with Ziyech and Pulisic? Um, now, they've been offered Jao Felix, as have four or five other teams in the Premier League. Um, I think at face value, Chelsea are interested. Um, one, it appeals to Todd Bowley in terms of a, a high-profile player who is obviously unbelievable um, talent-wise. But the problem you've got with this deal is that Atletico are looking for, if there's going to be a loan to happen, which there is talk could be feasible, that it needs to come with an obligation to buy rather than an option. I don't think Chelsea can go down that route. I don't think they want to go down that route. I mean, if you, if you think of the track record that they've had in recent years of, of players signing, um, particularly forward players, signing on big money, if they were to get Felix in on loan and he didn't do very well and they then had to spend like £110 million on him, you're straight away, you're back into that territory of... Okay, so this is our latest Timo Werner, our latest Morata, our latest whatever Shevchenko, Torres, whatever you want to call it. Like this is this is just our latest one of those, is it? Look, Jao Felix is great, and uh, maybe he would fit, but I think at, at an obligation of a hundred odd million pounds, it's probably going a bit far. You'd be probably um, better off signing him for that money and not doing the loan because it doesn't give you that weird period of being like, oh. If this hasn't worked, we have to do it anyway, which makes everyone really uncomfortable. Yeah, and, and everyone's like, this is ridiculous, yeah. The problem too, though, is they're already signing in Kunku. He's already coming. Yeah, how many of these players do they need? So how many players do they need like this? I, this, is the, this is the other Surely confusing factor for me. The, the weird thing about Chelsea and assessing any business is that they just have a, a, a long list of attacking players that you've just read out half of them, Dean. Um, that you just like it's you struggle at the moment to sort of pinpoint exactly what role they're supposed to be playing or like mm. what the plan is, and you know that doesn't just extend to Nkunku. I have absolutely no idea what to expect from Nkunku in terms of what they want to do with him because he's so varied. I have no clue, and yet I'm still sat here wondering what their plan is for Kai Havertz all these years mm. later. Um, and they don't have a plan. They didn't have really have a plan for Timo Werner, and they don't really have one for Hakim Ziyech, um, and they don't really have one for Raheem Sterling, who's Rob played Aubameyang. left left wing, right wing, left wing back, Pulisic, false nine, and then there's Pulisic <laughs> or Brozier. So they've got or Brozier's. Unfortunately, now he's he's injured, isn't yeah. he? Like he's, I think he's he's done his ACL. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's it's just it's so cloudy. Like I'm sat here with my hand on my head because I just can't figure it out. <laughs> no, it's it's a weird one, and like, and a, you know, I guess beneath all of this, there's the unavoidable situation whereby they need to sign a cent central midfielder. Like, I I don't know that they'll get that done in this window, um, but there is a huge need that at the end of this season, they've got a big midfielder coming into the club who can help, I guess, bring all this together and. Well, that's probably a discussion for another day, as I say, because I don't think that that, that central midfielder will arrive uh, in this window. But it, it's something that, that crops up again and again and is still bubbling beneath. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of work to do at Chelsea, isn't it? It feels like it feels like they're almost in the middle of a hard reset, but they don't quite know what, what bits to push the button on. But they're also not in the middle of a hard reset because they sort of simultaneously are and are not. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It, it's mm. weird. It's like because they have a ton of really talented players 
And if someone could just get a grip on that and just figure out exactly what they wanted to do, that would be awesome. And they probably would only need two more players. Because everything is just like shrouded in mystery, it sort of always feels like they need five. But they definitely don't. Look at the amount of players Mm. they've got and look at how much quality they've got. And they've just signed Koulibaly and Fafana. You're really going to go and drop another how much on a third centre-back in the space of six months? But then you look at it, you're like, well, arguably they do need it. But they also definitely don't. Yeah, it's weird. But they kind of do. Strange like, club. I don't know. Strange club down down the road of the dog track. Um, they're, they're having a, a very, very funny old <laughs> time. So uh, a lot of work to do for Chelsea. And that brings together the close of our main segment. So thank you very much, Dean. There are There's plenty to keep an eye on there, I think. Cool. Uh, very welcome. good. Right, after the break, we're finishing this off in part three. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to part three of this Ranks FC podcast. We have a very special melon to award and the return of the gibberish rankings. But before we do that, I just want to give a very quick shout out to Chris Girard, who is a listener. I assume it's Girard, but that might just because I also know Olivier Giroud so maybe it's Girard um, but anyway either way Chris uh, deserves a massive congratulations because he's just got engaged and some of you might have seen this uh, he proposed during uh, a Philadelphia 76ers game to his well now fiance who was a dancer at the game and the proposal went viral uh, and I saw Chris talking to Harry Brooks on Christmas Day and Harry was like I don't know why he follows me um, but congratulations to Chris and Chris's reply was, I'm an avid rank squad listener. So I absolutely made my day on Christmas morning. And so I wanted to give a massive congratulations to, to Chris and his fiance for such a wonderful proposal as well during the game. I've, I've met Chris. Have you? I've met you Chris, go. yeah. Um, and so I actually didn't, I, this completely passed me by, probably just because it was the holidays. But uh, when you just mentioned his Christmas name, day. Uh, well, yeah, there you go. And uh, I've just looked at his Instagram and we've been, we've been talking for a few years. I met him in Atlanta when I went to do the Bleach Report show. Uh, he was working over, at, over, over in, in Turner Sports and mm. he gave me a t-shirt. There you go. Gave wow. me a, he gave me a t-shirt with Cartoon Network on it. So he's a good yeah, dude. Shouts out to Chris uh, and his and his viral what, what, what a day! What a what a what a Christmas for the rank squad. Uh, we're we're all with you, Chris. Uh, what a man. Global exactly. fame. Um, right, it's time for Melon Day. It's time for Melon of the Year. <laughs> this year's Melon of the Year is. Darwin Nunez. Oh, no. Dino. Yes. Boo. Lads, I don't care. So we had Bella and his throw-ins, right? We had Aubameyang and his COVID parties. Well, now we've got Darwin Nunez because but he's just not good enough. He can't he can't score a goal and he, he's he's not good enough. Like I said from day one, I was unconvinced this about this vendetta. guy being a fifth. This is a vendetta. Of... It's not a vendetta. He is useless. He is useless. He's not so far, useless. So far, he... Technically, technically, lads, for Liverpool, this guy is nowhere near it. Like watching that Aston Villa game, the decision making and the finishing is genuinely shocking. He's an eighty-five million. That's not his fault. Yes, it is. He didn't didn't set his own (laughs) price tag. 
It's no, it's his fault. He's not scoring the goals. I would have literally scored a couple of these. His conversion rate so far in the Premier League is twenty five percent. That's pretty good. Yeah, they say bad. they say he's had four. It's one of the lowest in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> it's, it's four. They say he's had sixteen big chances. I mean, I can think of about twenty five off the top of my head. So I'm even putting this up for debate. I think he's scored four from twenty five. Well, he got um, he got four big chances missed against Villa alone. Exactly. It was a bad so one. So like, I'm seeing these 16 big chances. I'm like, there's no way he's only had 16 big chances. It's just so raw, far. man. It's just um, raw. It's not, mate. Like, I, every time I watch him, I'm waiting for him to prove me wrong. And I'm giving him again and again and again. And he's not, he's just not a good footballer. And everyone's like, oh, he causes chaos. Mate, Jack would cause chaos if you let him charge around up front for Liverpool. He wouldn't know what he was doing. Like, that's fine. I actually think I'm quite a but, refined footballer. Thanks very much. <laughs> but, like, look, he's he would be good. In a different team, Darwin Nunez might work. I just can't believe... I'll tell you what, actually. I think they've actually signed Gakpo because he's been such a melon so far. I think he has underperformed so much that that is part of the reason that they've had to go and pull, the, pull out another deal for another forward because he cannot be relied upon. It's Maybe. not just me that thinks this. Like, any time I'm watching a game with someone that's Liverpool, people start being like, this Nunes is rubbish, isn't he? And I'm like, do you know what? He might be, yeah. He might be. Te- um, technically, I don't he normally leaves... Give out Melon, I don't normally give out Melon of the Year based on football performances. I don't even normally give Melon of the Week based on actual performances. But this has the potential to be one of the worst big money signings in Premier League history. That is how bad this is currently going. He's left. He's left us in stunned silence. Yeah, I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to figure out a defence for Darwin, who I also doubted in the summer, obviously, but obviously thought he'd be a bit better. His defence. What his goals to game ratio is actually fine, um, but obviously that's not right. Obviously, look at look at the look at the performances, and it, it's a bit concerning. He hasn't figured out how to slow down and process his thoughts in front of goal just yet. Dean, you wouldn't have scored any of those chances because you'd never have been in the position to take them because you can't run. <laughs> and that's that's the other side of the argument. But there is there is an element of composure here which is brutally lacking and he can't really succeed to the tune of 80, 80 odd million if he, if he doesn't find it. It is a little bit concerning, but he's only got like three seasons of professional football to his name. Um, yeah. So we're we're hoping and we're 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 sort of praying. I was for honestly him. thinking at this, thinking like, who is the actual Miller? Like, who is a f- who is a basically? A, you're looking at like a figure of five. It could have been Harry Maguire, I guess. Like you could have, but I was like, I'm not not after that World Cup, mate. No, he he saved himself, and he's also. Uh, I think it's probably team. Ivan yeah. Tony, my guy. I saw him at Kempton yesterday, <laughs> putting a fiver on the races. <laughs> 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 I mean, Ivan Tony is probably a bit of a melon for be- putting like fivers on matches that is going to end up costing him like half his career. Um, but yeah, yeah, maybe Ivan Tony was a good shout. To be fair, yeah, but we don't um, know what's happening there, so we I can't. don't know enough about the story to be to be doing that. Yeah, exactly. So once we have all the details about all of his betting and uh, you know sticking two pound on Bradford to beat Notts County or something like that, <laughs> at that point I might I might be willing to just do loves it, an acker. Fair all play. I can, yeah, all I can consider at the moment is that. Oh, 
Nunes is a melon. <laughs> I mean, I don't think much doubt he's underperforming, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this roll. Um, but yeah, I think it's gonna be okay, and I think perhaps everything is being amplified through the social media. Lens. Probably be okay. Not gonna be in the team once Hackpo comes. In. I think it's, it's all being amplified through a social media lens, and and, and that's how yeah. things ha- tend to happen in in the modern age, right? Been a while since I have done that, as you can probably tell. Um, right, Sam, over to you. <laughs> Yeah, it's been a while since the gibberish has, has come to play. We, we put it on ice for the World Cup. Obviously, everything Three changed. Three best ranked squad means... proposals. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dean's is last. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Um, uh, Only gonna... people who listen to Patreon will know about that. Yeah, bad proposal. But it worked, didn't it? So, end of the day. It did work. Efficient. Yeah, still a... um, yeah so I'm going to talk about Christmas presents as I often do at this time of the year and rank what I received and invite you guys to talk about what you received as well. Um, but obviously we've missed a fair few gibberish slots here. Um, and I just wanted to say that usually at the end of November or start of December, I would have done my Spotify wrapped and told you my top artists. Was it I just Kid want to Cuddy? say that while well, we're not going to go, actually it wasn't, he was only second. Was Dylan. Um, <laughs> but I just want to say that Drake was not even in the top five. So as a, as a, as a human, I have made huge strides forward over the course of 2022. I did yeah. actively avoid him on Spotify to make sure that he didn't ruin my ranking. But uh, it was actually the weekend that came out in first, Kid Cudi second, above and beyond so brought, third, Post Malone Drake's fourth. You got Drake's protege instead. <laughs> yeah, and Swedish House Mafia in fifth. And the my favourite song was The Weekend with Swedish House Mafia, Moth to a Flame, which was by far the most listen to songs so yeah i basically fell into a different sized hole this year i had a i had a funny uh, one on spotify wrapped in that um it's all linked to the the music in, in that in the flat is all linked together so i didn't realize that my alexa plays off my spotify basically and lucy exclusively mm-hmm. apparently mm-hmm. listens mm-hmm. oh mm-hmm. here she is uh... <laughs> 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 thanks um but lucy had been listening to exclusively taylor swift apparently and so she came out as my top artist for the year and the rest of the rankings <laughs> like very much all the things i listen to look I, I i have no problem with taylor i thought midnight was a good album but it, it, it was definitely really not the it was definitely not the thing I've listened to the most over the course of this year. And it's quite weird because it's like Taylor Swift and it's like Bad Boy Chiller Crew, The Manor, Madness. And I was like, oh God, what's going on with my Spotify? So I've now had to I've now had to remove my Spotify from the things on our things. I was like, I love my rap. I'm really, really upset about the fact uh, that it had been ruined. ruined. So there we are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, all caught up on that one. I'm sure Dean's was just like more children's stuff. Um, yeah, I think I did post about it at the time. It was all Peppa Pig. Yeah, of course it was. Good yeah, stuff. It was absolutely. But nice. yeah, the gibberish this, this this week is Christmas presents. Um, I'll rank them three to one. I did only get three. <laughs> so that was easy. It's so easy that was, to draw the shortlist. Yeah, the shortlist was pretty easy. Although I'm an adult, like I accept that I'm only going to get you know two or three <laughs> gifts. It's it's fine. So at number three, just by default. And I do appreciate them, but I don't think the socks I received can go any higher than third. Um, I got five pairs of white socks and then five pairs of white sports socks. Nice. So 10 in total. Nice. Not, a, not a bad haul. 10 pairs yeah. of socks. Mm. Yeah. Nice and thick and fluffy. Good for the winter and also good for the Jack Grealish approach of the old, um, they slot into the stud boots with no shin pads and you're not running around at five a side on a Thursday night with big bulky 
uh, big bulky socks on. I much prefer that that cleaner, lower look. Nice. Uh, as I pretend to be footballers, I'm nowhere near as good as. So socks in at three. Number two, I got a Kid Cuddy poster. You asked for uh, this. Which I, which I asked for, uh, which is fine because I got it. It's the Kid See Ghost, uh, Kid Cuddy, Kanye West album cover artwork on a metal display. Well, you've decided this is, is like the a, appropriate like time poster. to put Kanye West up on a wall in your house. You, you've gone, you know what I could really do with at <laughs> He's this not exact on moment? Some Kanye on the wall. <laughs> He's not on it. It's artwork. Mm. He should have been Melon of the yeah, Year, he actually. He should yes. have been. Yeah. No, actually, don't, I don't think that would. I don't think. Sorry, I, Darwin. I don't sorry, think that would Darwin. do his in in kind of the ju- that that would be too light. It'd be too uh, bonhomie for, for yeah. For what, that's what that's true. Uh, anyway, Sam, onwards. Well, yeah, Dean. I just wanted to say, actually, on the other wall, I've got each year's Melon of the Year. I never told you about this. Oh. But I've got a picture of Hector Bellerin. I've got a picture of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. And now I've got to choose between a picture of Darwin or a picture of Kanye. So I've got a picture of Hector Bayer in on my wall as well, but it's a very separate issue. It's him looking really cool in old school Bessis jerseys. Mm, yeah. So my actual top gift, and this is a great gift, is uh, depending on where you're from, I guess you'll call it a different thing, but I would call it uh, an overnight bag or a holdall. Yeah. Um, like a duffel bag style shaped thing um, from Herschel. It matches my backpack, the sort of, dark green and brown that I've got and it's the exact thing I've wanted for like three years but it's just expensive enough for you to never buy it for yourself right which makes it a perfect gift because it's something mm. you've wanted for ages but you would never go oh well it's a they're about 90 100 quid like you're not going to really you're never going to do that for you I've got a suitcase I'll just use that but then someone yeah. buys it for you and it matches your backpack I look class yeah yeah, I mean, it's a great gift. The class where? Where are you going? It's not going anywhere. Oh, just, got anywhere oh, to go. just going there, just going places overnight, you know, just here Sainsbury's and there. Sainsbury's just filling up his holdall just <laughs> so he can sling it over his shoulder. <laughs> I mean, I took, it, I took it to my sister's for Christmas. It's already got oh, a yeah, Because we, we, op- we opened our presents on, the, on, on Christmas Eve before we went. Um, ah, nice. So, yeah, already got, already got an overnight use out of it. Perfect. Spot Fantastic. On. What was your best nice. present, Dean? Oh, I actually got a really good surprise because in the build up to Christmas, um, my my mum especially was like, I need to know what you want for Christmas. I was like, I don't need anything. Like I literally can't think of, like I don't want you to just buy me a random t-shirt. Like this is the annoying thing, isn't it? About, I don't know if it's just men or if it's just people of a certain age at some point in their life where you're just like, if I want something, I generally buy it. I said to Taylor, I was like, oh, this is really annoying me. Like, unless like someone gets me like an iPad then there's nothing I really need because I'm like never, I'd, yeah, I'd like an iPad, but like I don't need one. And so I'm never going to buy it. And I said this is just in passing. Anyway, I got an iPad. No. I'm well happy. <laughs> no way. So was, yeah. So I was well happy. I was like so surprised. I was like, this is quality because I genuinely don't need this. And I was never going to buy it, but it's the best thing I own now. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quality. And I've decided, yeah, it's just for, well you're gonna lose that to the kids almost immediately 100 percent of not this is the rule i've already set out i've sat them down i was like this is having no games on it this will not be used to watch peppa pig and uh you don't you don't touch it unless you ask me (laughs) they're like what some regimented dad i've never got the most serious dean has ever been in his life what have you done with dylan (laughs) yeah dylan has been good at that at reese uh, threw it this morning. <laughs> oh, frisbeed. He literally threw it. Taylor Taylor said, Reese, you can't carry daddy's laptop. So he just threw it. Wow. 
was mm. like, fuck's sake, this is going on a this is high shelf, high, mate. High a, shelf. It's, this is going on a high shelf. But anyway, yeah, that was a really good present. I was I was really yeah, happy with that. Glass one. Yeah, you should be, mate. You've got an Yeah, that, that's an unbelievable <laughs> gift. <laughs> I'm gonna try that. So I don't really need anything other than a new car. Uh, yeah, I mean, if it was a new car, then yeah, I mean, I guess I'd be I'd be delighted. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's not nothing thing. really I, I need. Like, yeah. Well, basically, Taylor and my mum went in on it together because at that point, Taylor hadn't got me anything either. So she was like, "It was just ideal that you said that in that moment." Because I was like, "Okay, I'm going to find a deal on this and see if we can make, make this it happen. work." Nice. As you can see in my face, like what a surprise! So yeah, it was really yeah, good. Nice. What about you, Jack? I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely my favourite thing that I've got this Christmas is uh, the, this Casio watch that I'm showing on on the screen right now to the boys. It's an old school Casio oh, yeah. watch. They're not all, you know, it's not it's not a fancy watch. It's not an expensive watch. I just have used to wear them all the time, and I've managed to lose them. I think in the move between moving out of my parents and moving into the flat, and I haven't worn a watch for like three years. And then my brother rocked up with one of these, and I was like, oh, I'm actually, genuinely over the moon about this. I love these. Oh, watches. that's cool. So I'm, I'm delighted yeah. with my ten pound Casio watch. But that's genuinely the, the thing that's really, really <laughs> made me happy over this Christmas. I was like, absolutely, you know, delighted with that so, oh, so nice. there have it you know lucy's like what do you mean i, I got you some airpods i'm like yeah, yeah yeah but this watch and she's like right okay fine. <laughs> what a weird kid um, but alas that's that's where we are so yeah i'm, I'm, I'm over the moon about about that i've had a, i've had a lovely christmas um with all with all the family with all the family um sadly we had a covid we had a covid um case so we were meant to be all together oh, no. since 2019 of us my uncle kieran and his family came up positive the day on christmas eve which is like which is a mm. killer because they live round the corner from where we actually had Christmas, and so we walked around and sort of saw them at the door and sang 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 Merry worry, Christmas yeah. and uh, and my nan sang Silent Night for them, which was incredibly cute, uh, and, and then but it was oh. it was a real shame because we really liked them to have been there. But, but apart oh, from that, that's a bit annoying. Apart from that, it's been an absolutely cracking Christmas. So I'll, uh, I say, and I'm going to the theatre today, which is my present for my mum and dad. Um, so the oh, okay. Choir of Man. Um, so. Yeah, Never heard of it. I mean, it's it's one of those ones. It's it's relative. If it's not new. Book of Mormon or Harry Potter, I don't know it. Yeah, well, I mean, I forgot that I do forget to do Philistines, and uh, and actually on that bombshell, I think it's time we call this a day. Uh, so also left for me to do is to say, well, happy holidays and a, a very very happy New Year to everybody listening to this. We will see you in 2023 god that year has flown hasn't it we've really rattled by uh, thank you so much to our transfer guru mr dean jones from main ranking today cheers mate. thank you very much to rank on mr sam ties good to have you back mate cheers buddy i've been jack collins knave of hearts thank you so much for listening and we will see you in the new year enjoy whatever you're doing to celebrate the changing of the Annams. Uh, we will see you in January where the transfer window has fully kicked off. Take it easy. Peace.